Thank you so much to Dean and our singers for leading us in our worship of the Lord today. Over the past few days, my brother and his wife have been over in England and spending a few days in around London. And on Friday, they visited Windsor Castle. And he was messaging me and sending me photographs of where they were visiting. And I love places like that. And as I was finishing my preparations for today, as I was thinking about the message that I would be bringing to us at this communion service today, and then as I was receiving those messages from Andrew, I started to think about the difference that there is between taking the kind of tour around Windsor that we would go on where we book our tickets online, we go through the visitor center, and we follow our way around the, the tour of the castle, and the tour that you would get, if you were invited along and given a tour of Windsor by the king himself, over the years I've had the opportunity to visit buildings that are really interesting to see. A few times I've been up at Stormont with various MLAs along with groups, and you might think, why would you want to go to Stormont? Sure, nothing happens there anyway, but so much history in that building, so many things that have happened down through the years. And once I got an opportunity to have a tour of the Palace of Westminster and to see around there as a guest of one of our local MPs. And as I walked around those buildings, I felt out of place. And I certainly knew that my access to those buildings was nothing to do with me, but it was because of the person that I was with. It was their status, their position, their qualification as an elected representative who deserved to be there. And I'm the kind of person that any place I go to where I'm an outsider, I always feel that I have to justify my presence. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but even recently, Bellan and I were able to go into the office that our son works in in Belfast, the new offices that his company is in. And as he took us around and had his pass, every time I met someone who worked there, I felt duty-bound to say, I'm with him. But it's even better in a situation like that when the person that you're with says, he's with me. The biggest question that the Bible asks and it's a question that gets us right to the heart of what it is that we're doing here as we gather around this table today, is this. What is the basis on which you will stand before God at the judgment and be acceptable to Him? If there is a judgment, and the Bible tells us that there is, if we want to be found acceptable to God, and we want to be able to be in His eternal presence, and we should, on what basis can we stand before a holy God and be acceptable to Him? In many parts of the Bible, it gives us the answer to that question, and the answer is always the same. It is that good, classic, children's talk answer. The answer is Jesus. 
It's his status, his position, his qualification. You see, it really is all about Jesus. And the answer to that question comes out so loud and clear at the beginning of Romans chapter 5. I would love you to turn in your Bibles with me again for a few moments today before we enjoy this sacrament together as we look at these verses at the beginning of Romans 5. Romans is such an important book in the Bible. It teaches us some key truths about God and how He saves. In this letter, Paul explains the nature of the relationship that we can have with God in Christ. And here specifically in Romans 5, we have some of the clearest statements about salvation in Scripture. I want us to briefly look at some of the great truth that Paul tells us in this part of God's Word. And as we come to meet around the Lord's table today, it's so important that we remind ourselves of and understand the gospel. I have a colleague in ministry, and a middle-aged Christian couple came to him and said they were going to leave his church. And as disappointed as he was at them leaving, he was even more disappointed at the reason they gave for leaving. They said to him, you know, you talk so much about the gospel, but we don't need to hear the gospel because we are already Christians. I want you to know that nothing could be further from the truth. Many people think of the gospel as nothing more than a tool for conversion. And don't get me wrong, I want you to be sure today, because Scripture is clear that we need to proclaim the gospel, and there needs to be that first important response to the gospel, that response of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. But the gospel is much, much more than simply an evangelistic message. It is the core of what we believe and how we live. And here in Romans chapter 5, the good news headline is that through the Lord Jesus, we gain access to God. Look at what Paul tells us at the beginning of this passage. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Faith in the Lord Jesus gives us access to the grace of God, and it brings us into His presence. And there are two particular words in those verses that are worth thinking about today. As we remember Jesus' death and what it achieved, those words are justified and peace. What does it mean to be justified? And why do we need to have peace with God? Well, we can answer those two questions together. Let me remind you of the core of the gospel, this good news of what God has done through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can go as far today as saying 
without Christ's death on the cross, there is no gospel. It is through the Lord Jesus' sacrifice that God the Father made it possible for sinful people like you and me to have fellowship with Him. So, if we want to know God, we must meet Him in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the remarkable thing about the cross and what happened there. It's only through the cross that God shows both justice in punishing sin and mercy in pardoning sin. He is able to do those two much-needed things in the same place at the same time. And so, He paves the way for people who trust in Jesus not to be punished for their sin, but to be acceptable to Him. And if God were simply to overlook sin or to stop being angry at it, then He would cease to be God. It's as big as that. Because justice lies right at the heart of God's character. It lies right at the heart of who He is. And justice demands that sin is punished. The thing about our God is that He cannot and He will not turn a blind eye to evil. And when you think about it, that on the one hand is good news. It's good news in a world where there is so much evil and injustice to know that those things really matter to God when we suffer at the hands of others. To know that sin matters to God is a comforting thing. But on the other hand, it is also sobering news because we ourselves are sinners. None of us are immune from the problem of sin. And so, all of us stand guilty before God. That's why right at the heart of the gospel is the cross where Jesus died. It's what we gladly remember today. And Paul puts it like this in verses 6 to 8. Look at those verses with me again, because these are such key gospel verses. He explains, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a song that we sing where we, we say that the cross is the place where justice and mercy meet. God is both just and merciful at the cross. Sin is dealt with in the way that it has to be, but at the same time, sinners who put their faith in the crucified Jesus are declared innocent. So, today, let's remember that it really is all about Jesus, that in order to deal with sin, God, in His grace, sent His own Son to take the punishment that we as sinners deserve. 
Our salvation is by the way of substitution. Jesus took your place. He took my place. And if we just stop for a second to consider all of that, that's got to lead to praise. We should want to to shout out today, hallelujah, what a Savior. Paul puts it like this in verse 9. He says, since we have now been justified by Jesus' blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? So that at the cross, in Christ's death, God's anger towards sin is satisfied. But not only that, His love for us is magnified. People who come to trust in Jesus no longer need to face God's wrath. Instead, we're invited to rejoice at the love that is displayed at the cross. So, as we finish, and as we come to this table in a few moments, what should our response be to such good news? Well, our first response has got to be faith. All of this is only true of those who put their trust in Christ. And it could well be that today you're here at this communion service. You're maybe even partaking in this sacrament. But in your heart, you know that that is not the case with you. Seek the Lord Jesus while He is near. And then our response needs to be one of gratitude, where we're truly thankful as we think about what God was willing to do for us in Christ. Do you have that gratitude as you partake in this sacrament today? And then our response continues with grace. If we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then we have experienced amazing grace from our God But we are called, when we're saved by that blood, to be different. Indeed, we are given new hearts. We are called and equipped to be people who not only benefit from grace, but then are donors of grace as well, who give it to other people. And so often, I hear myself, I know my thoughts, and I hear other people, other Christians, and the things that we think, the things that we say about other people, people who are struggling, and there's such a lack of grace, such a lack of compassion. I've even heard it in relation to the food bank that we were supporting in Ballylocka. But if we're Jesus people, we not only receive grace, we show grace to others. We're not only people who have experienced the compassion of Christ, we display that compassion in our lives. And our response ends with humility. You know, there's only one thing to boast about as Christians. Paul says it like this in verse 11. He says that we boast in God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 
believer in Christ, boast about what the Lord has done for you. Make much of Jesus. Be quick to share the Lord with others. Don't big up yourself. Don't have big ideas about yourself here at this sacrament today, imagining what you have done. Remember that we are justified, not by our actions, but by God's grace and what He's done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we sing, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Folks, we need to hear the gospel every single day. We especially need to remind each other of the gospel as we join together around this table to remember what the Lord has done for us. Believer in Christ, it is as simple as this. You have full access to God and His eternal kingdom through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Believer in Christ, there will be a day when you stand before the Lord. And on that day, you will be able to look to Jesus and you can say to God, I'm with Him. But of far greater importance, the Lord Jesus, in the presence of His Father, will look at you and He'll say to His Father, she's with me. He's with me. Let's sing.